0: Hi, Sarah. Hi, Sarah. I have a big question for you. So today, uh, Instagram came out with something called Instagram Reels, which looks like it's a bit of a competitor to your beloved TikTok. I was wondering mm-hmm. uh,
1: how you feel about this. Oh, my gosh. I love this. Okay. So, I, I, yes, TikTok is beloved to me, but it's because I love making 15-second videos. Like, that is, that is something that I find really, really fun. Or to think through and try to be funny or like dancing stupid to music these are all things that I love (laughs) and so if I could do it on Instagram also it's just twice as good right so I I haven't tried it yet like it just came out today today we record Wednesday so I saw it and I'm very excited to kind of dive in and see how Instagram set up because set up like the video editing Um, back end because like that's the beauty of TikTok right and that's what they did was create a platform where anybody without any editing experience could like edit videos put on filters, um, stop, start, put it to music. Like there's all kinds of different things you can do on there and it's very easy to operate uh, once you know how to work the buttons. So I'm super curious how it's going to work. I'm also curious like how they're going to get, because TikTok is only 15-second videos. So people spend tons and tons of time like scrolling through. So like I don't know how it's going to be separated from stories. Um, So I'm excited to kind of like make one and then see kind of where it appears and what kind of reach it gets. Because also, when platforms create new things, what they do is they usually uh, push them forward. So the people who are actually using those new, this is, this is uh, some free social media advice for anyone <laughs> who would like it, is that content will get pushed forward more, um, especially if you make relatively good content. Um, so that this is like, it's like an opportunity if you like making 15-second videos
0: it pays to be an early adopter that's it does unless Mm. it's a failed platform and then
1: you've wasted your time yeah (laughs) then you like all the people on vine who are now (laughs) like what happened i mean i think it's (laughs) i think it's okay to be an early adopter and like go like there's a reason a guy created that tiktok account under live feisty media right and if it if it works out if it continues to work out on TikTok, we'll be there early, and it's easier to get a following earlier, and it's fine. It might work out. But if TikTok was our only platform, that would be a really stupid idea, right? Like you, you can like don't put all of your eggs into one basket uh, if you're creating an online business. So,
0: so here, here's the question: Will you do the same type of video both on TikTok and Instagram Reels?
1: I don't know. Or do That's a good question. do you try to create
0: different content? For different platforms.
1: Right. It's a good question because I think sometimes like what's happening on TikTok with all the trends and all the funny little like sometimes there's jokes like I will make a joke specifically off the back of a trend on TikTok Right? So someone on Instagram, I wouldn't necessarily post that specific TikTok to Instagram stories or whatever because like Instagram's like, what the F are you doing? That's ridiculous. Um, so so it would be interesting to see like how the trends work as well because that's part of what I like about it is like you can make a joke off someone else's joke uh, with a slight alteration or something. So I don't know. Or if like the jokes will be slightly different on Instagram. I don't know. I'm I... excited to find out. A whole new frontier for you. I know, right? It's like, it's like a world just opened up. <laughs>
0: I'm not going to probably use it, but I'm excited for you, you
1: know? Oh, we'll see. We'll see. I could, we'll, if I I'll, lose I'll another
0: get, bet, I'll probably exactly. be on Instagram. Every,
1: every week I'm going to come with some kind of bet oh, <laughs> see, well, to get you to do another um, dance to a Drake song.
0: Come on, we're gonna, we gotta branch out. I'm, I'm more than that one
1: <laughs> clip. We know that you're multi layer talented. That's, there's no question about not that.
0: Not on TikTok. My <laughs> one video and done.
1: <laughs> Amazing. Well, coming up on this week's show, we have some fun, feisty updates. What is coaching really? A voicemail about not wanting to seem creepy, and a new segment that we call Things We're Digging.
0: Hey, Sarah, I have a riddle for you. What's refreshing, oh. great, any time of day, and super
1: awesome? Oh, my gosh. Is it the If You're Riding podcast? Oh, no, wait. By the look on your face, it's not. It's, <laughs> it's noon. Yes. It's noon, isn't it?
0: Ding, ding, ding. You got the answer.
1: Woo. Okay, friends, seriously, Noon Hydration has been a sponsor of Live Feisty and this very podcast for a couple of years. They are amazing. They are supportive. And we all get 30% off with the new code, note the new code, LIVEFEISTY um, at NoonLife.com. So use the code LIVEFEISTY before I at NoonLife.com.
0: I'm Sarah Gross. And I'm Sarah True. And you're listening to If We Were Riding. all right sarah so what i'm i'm curious what's going on in
1: the feisty world feisty world so a couple things one first i'll do i'll do the sad news first so um taylor mahan rudolph who was um our senior editor at live feisty with all the triathlon content that she was putting online um has left us Hmm. um And so we will be, we will miss her very much. Um, and she was a great asset to the team and, and and like yourself was very multi-talented and, uh, and so, yeah, so a few tears over Taylor and actually Taylor came to us because in the beginning she, um, put her hand up for an internship when I put that on social media last year and she was an, if we were writing listener, um, So she didn't come from Iron Women or from any other of the content we were creating. She was if we were writing. Wow. So she may be listening right now. And we do miss you, Taylor.
0: Oh, bye, Taylor.
1: Mm -hmm. I
0: know. The hard part of being Um, a boss.
1: I know. And then seeing people
0: move to greener pastures
1: to the to the Instagram reels of their (laughs) lives. I love how that came full circle already. And we're only like six minutes into the podcast. (laughs) Yes. Uh, But on the flip side, my, my team has been amazing. Um, in just like stepping up and filling in, you know, people are learning, you know, we need more than one person who can edit audio, for example, or some other skills. So people are, people have really stepped up and, um, Like to help, you know, to help Taylor smoothly exit, but also so that we can um, cover the gaps while we're looking for someone new. So I guess that's that's the first feisty update is that um, is that we're yeah, we're hiring in our triathlon I keep keep calling them pillars like I don't really know how to talk about my business I don't have business language because I didn't go to business school so but in our triathlon pillar quote unquote um, we're definitely going to be hiring so if if folks have are looking to work with us just keep watching social media because I'll probably look to our community first um, when we're hiring so there's also uh, uh yeah, and exciting There's also an Instagram reel for us too, <laughs> which is which is hopefully we'll find um one or two new fun people to work on our team.
0: We like fun people.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and a couple weeks ago, I put the other thing that's been really big the last couple of weeks is that I put on. Do you remember on Instagram? I put I sort of put a post about my business problems, quote unquote.
0: I do remember that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, And I had a wonderful response. So like, thank you to everyone who reached out. Um, And out of that came, um, I'd say a handful of folks that I've had uh, meetings with and asked questions of, or had them ask me questions about the business and how we're growing. That has been so helpful. Uh, And so I just, I'm I'm actually super, super grateful. A, that like I could do that on Instagram, like who knew? Um, And find that those kind of conversations, but also um, that, you know, like sometimes you don't know. This was a case where I didn't know what I was looking for and didn't know what questions to ask um, and didn't know really what was missing, but I knew something was missing. And so I needed folks, like some broad thinking people with experience to actually uh, be able to help me realize what was missing in my thinking and how to move forward with the business so that's been uh, a great process and I've been having like just big conversations about like what's important to me what's important to us as a business like if we make money why why do we want to make money <laughs> what are we going to do with that money like what is you know what are we really doing um, and and how do we do it strategically and well so. Yeah. It's been a good couple weeks.
0: So are you saying you went into this without like a five year master plan? <laughs> <Really?
1: laughs> five year master plans in the <laughs> online space is like what? Like the internet won't be even the same in like 30 seconds, let alone five years. But yes, you'll you'll be shocked to learn from my other organization skills that I uh, I did not have a five year master plan. Do you have a five year master plan for your life um no <laughs>
2: uh,
0: <laughs> i i give credit to anybody who does and i think for a, a lot of businesses you do have to have one i i have a very vague five year plan um but what i've learned is that things change and honestly you know i think the upside of this whole covid thing is that i've been forced to slow down a bit and really think harder about the five-year master plan and it's it's been good yeah it's been really good just kind of reflect on some different things and where i want to go in the future and we can save that for another podcast you
1: know But yeah i i kind of i think where you were going and i think i agree with you on this is like that it's important to have a plan or a sense of a plan but also remain um flexible within that plan or be willing or able to pivot. And, and we saw that right with COVID, um, the folks who were more rigid in their planning struggled for a little bit longer with races being canceled and stuff like that. And then people who were more flexible could pivot a little bit more easily. Um, so do you think are you like a planner or a pivoter?
0: I am an interesting blend of both. So I love checklists. I, I mean, nothing makes me happier than writing down a nice like to-do list and then checking things off. Um, but I'm also very flexible, so I, I get a sense of completion. I like that sense of completion doing things um, and planning them in advance, but I'm definitely not rigid by any stretch of the imagination and half of those things on my to-do list just get pushed off to the next to-do list
1: Mm. and it's okay. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things I was actually reading about it this morning, I was reading about a founder of a company who had to relearn when he went from being, he went from being a, a coder, um, to being the CEO of a big company. Right. And over a couple of years he had to learn to change what he thought was a feeling of accomplishment. Um, and what, like, what things on your to-do list feel, because I, I feel like this kind of affects me or maybe it affects everyone to, to a certain extent, is like we have some kind of learned behavior around what is considered work, right? So like for me, I, a very simple example would be making a TikTok is <laughs> not work, even though it is, but I typically save that kind of thing for the weekend, right? Even though we now have more followers on TikTok than Instagram and there's some argument you could say that it could be work. I find it really hard to go, that's my work. Um, But then if I write a contract, (laughs) right, um, that's work. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so, or even, um, like, even things like networking sometimes, like when you're just having conversations with people, uh, that stuff I find hard. it's kind of in the gray zone. Like it's not, there's there's no box to check. There's no, you know, um, if there's not a tangible outcome, it's not work. Um, so I think that that's, it's like an interesting, like what is on your to-do list and what makes you feel accomplished is like a very interesting, um, question that I, like I've been, it's just something I've been asking myself.
0: Oh, I'm not saying my to-do list is serious. Um. Oh,
1: did I, sorry. Did I go too deep on the to-do list conversation?
0: (laughs) No, no, no. I just like your assumption that, you know, it was, these are very important things I'm doing. <laughs> but I'll throw some things on there that are like, you know, read for 30 minutes. And if... oh or, or not even a time frame. Or, you know, finally catch up on emails. And I don't care how many I do, but if I sit down and actually go into it with some degree of intentionality, I'm like, oh, I did it. It's good enough. Um... But not having, like, I must respond to 10 emails. I think that's, yeah.
1: Yeah, that's a little If I were rigid. a
0: TikToker, would I put it on there? Possibly. Because it would okay. make me feel good to, like, yeah. I had my yeah. fun time. I checked it off.
1: Checks it off the <laughs> list. If you put, um, <laughs> so if you put read onto your to-do list, right, yeah. then I feel like that's the same type of category as TikTok. Like, here. yeah. Um, Leisure. Okay. You got to yeah. you got to have
0: some leisure on your to-do list.
1: Therefore. Right. Yeah. Although to me that's a counter like should your leisure things be on your to-do list?
0: No. Probably not. <laughs> <that>. <laughs> but why shouldn't but then again, why shouldn't you maybe you just have a category that just says generally leisure and you tick off mm. the box. Doesn't matter what that leisure is. It could be doing TikTok, it could be going for a hike, whatever. But like, as long as it's on the list and you acknowledge that it's important to you. I
1: don't yeah. Know. Yeah. Interesting. To-do list. We went lists. on a real like tangent a, here, Sarah. I know. Deep and meaningful to-do list conversations. <laughs> it's not even on our run list. <laughs> okay. But speaking of to-do lists, a couple weeks ago, you checked a big box because you did the USAT level one coaching course. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we asked our listeners for um, maybe some thoughts about that. Did you hear from anyone?
0: Yeah, actually, I did hear from some, hear from some people who have taken the course, and I was really fascinated because uh, quite a few people talked about, hey, you know, I thought it was a decent course. Uh, did it make me a better coach? I don't know. I did feel like, there, so there was this common thread, I did feel like they, uh, they didn't go into the soft skills of coaching enough. And that I, really, I was taken aback by that. Um Cause I don't think in terms of hard skills, you know, information and soft skills with coaching, like coaching is just coaching. Um, And I, this is, I think it, it, it kind of cuts the core of part of the issue I had with, um, with the course was that it presented a lot of info. It presented some very basic information about what triathlon is, but that isn't going to make you a coach. So being a coach comes from knowledge and that's to me how you process information and how you apply it to an individual. So I was, I was very surprised that, you know, there was this presentation of, of some basic information about triathlon and it didn't talk about coaching. Like, what is coaching? What is effective coaching? What are the goals involved? Uh, you know, what are potential barriers for entry for athletes? You know, d- how do you read an athlete? How do you effectively manage load in athletes? Um, and that's, those aren't soft skills that, well, first of all, there's no such thing as soft skills and hard skills. That's just coaching. You can go through the You know, so they have three levels of coaching in USAT, and I feel like you could easily go through the three levels of coaching certification, acquire a lot of information, but that's not going to make you an effective coach. If you don't know how to apply it to individuals, if you don't know how to read people, you know, both physically and emotionally, like get those cues from them, you don't actually, you haven't achieved mastery of the information. Like, you need to achieve mastery of the information, but you also need to know how to apply it. So, like, I think there's a lot in common with um, being a really great teacher. So a really great teacher, they know their material so well that they know what's actually important and can teach any level, you know, below them. So if you are a world-class physicist who is also an exceptional teacher. You could teach what's important about physics to a small child, to somebody who's you know, PhD candidate, and that shows a real mastery of yes, information, but also understanding what is genuinely important and being able to read the individual and try to work with them to, to help them gain greater understanding about themselves and about the subject matter. And the subject matter for triathlon is, yeah, it's the the sport, but it's also learning how to run right. your body. Um, and that's something that I've found is lacking in a lot of coaching is the goal isn't to make an athlete dependent on you. It's to teach them more about the sport, teach them more about themselves so that they become more effective in what they do. And I... We, one of the coaches we had in this course, um, I don't know, it, it, didn't, it didn't feel as though he really understood that. Uh, one example I can give is he suggested, oh, just as an aside, they had five coaches on this thing. All were middle-aged white men. Um, the five, sorry, the, is the, the five
1: coaches that were coaching
0: the course? They had a
1: panel. Yeah. They had a panel at the end. a Q&A with five coaches. Okay. So like the leaders in the room were like from a, a very specific narrow demographic. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yes.
0: But that's an aside. It's an important
1: aside though.
0: <laughs> oh, very, very much so. Very much so. Uh, this, This coach was talking about the amount of testing he does, he did with this one example of an athlete. And, you know, this is a a young woman in her, I think she was early twenties, had seven or eight races on the calendar and had her doing time trialing and testing on a regular basis over the course of the season. And to me, like warning bells left and right. First of all, The best kind of testing you can do is racing. If somebody is racing, you can get information you need. You don't need to add on the additional emotional and physiological load of testing and time trialing. Um, But it it made me realize that somebody, you know, this coach had gone through these different different levels of these coaching clinics and had acquired this information and felt like he needed to use it. And that means not really understanding the needs of the athlete. It was a skewed perception of high performance uh, ideas and trying to translate it to a young amateur athlete. Uh, but without having the knowledge, the real mastery to, to recognize that it wasn't relevant for this athlete to be doing all this testing and time trialing, that she probably was very burnt out at the end of the year. And I, I wish that I had asked You know how she performed, and years later, is she still in the sport? Yeah, because I can almost guarantee that it was not a great. Maybe she had a good season, but there's no real longevity if that's your approach. Um, And so much of what we get from, you know, the information side comes from a really, I think, flawed understanding of uh, high performance sport. So you know, back to this example of testing. This coach thought all these things he learned through these courses, you had to apply them because this is high-performance sport. Uh, you know, I, I use, like, my own career as an example. Like, my, my coach is a physiologist. That's his background. We might test once a year, um, and that's it. You know, this, that, he he went to school for that. He is a physiologist for a professional cycling team. I, and he does minimal testing because he realizes that he can glean some information, but because he has such a high level of mastery of understanding, of he can he can get the information without the emotional and physical load um, of of testing and time traveling by analyzing data and talking to me. Yeah. So yeah, I guess if you take the course, take it with a grain of salt. Understand that information isn't knowledge. You just need to work with athletes, make mistakes, be humble, realize that you're going to get better over time. You don't need to have a PhD in physiology. I know plenty of world-class coaches who might not be able to have the language, you know, the scientific language behind what they're doing, but they understand intuitively through trial and error and through working with people what works and what doesn't, how you apply stimulus to get result. So that was a very long-winded answer about uh, this coaching course, but that's those are my thoughts. Yeah,
1: I like I wholeheartedly agree with you on on all of those points. I I my question for you, or maybe that we can answer together, is like, can we? Because the hard what we're calling hard and soft, which I'm also hearing you say, like. There's, there shouldn't be such a big delineation between those things. But for the sake of the argument, if the, if the hard skills are like the knowledge about physiology and how to create a training program and how to test type, type things, how to read data files, um, then is there, sorry, how do you teach the soft skills? Because the hard skills are e- easier to teach and understand and there's bullet points <laughs> and there's data. And it's like, teaching those soft skills because some people will naturally have them like emotional intelligence for example would be a great example of a skill like some people like naturally more emotionally intelligent so so how do we teach that
0: well I I was taken aback by the fact that this coaching course didn't even talk about what is coaching what is the goal of coaching what makes an effective coach. Like, how Mm -hmm. do you define success in your profession Mm -hmm. and how do you define success with your athletes? And just, you know, really the philosophical side of it where Mm -hmm. that wasn't addressed at all. Like, I, I think of the people in my course and I would say a, a sizable number of them were there because they wanted to personally learn, personally learn more about their own racing and training. You know, I think other people were there because they have mild curiosity in coaching uh, and, you know, maybe see it as a potential means of, um, you know, employment. And then there were people who were already coaches. You know, they they are hands on deck. Um, they just need the certification. And we didn't ask it, we, we didn't even ask whether it was relevant for people to be there, right um, you know to examine their own motivations and whether or not it made sense for them to be there. Like it, it, it was really telling to me that when we were on break, um, most of the and honestly the a lot of the so we had a chat bar because obviously we did this virtually, right A lot of the questions, we're very specific to the individual, which I found very interesting. So like, okay, uh, I did X, Y, or Z in training and why did the does this happen? Um, well, it doesn't, yeah, you can experiment on yourself. That's fine. Um, but then when it's followed up with discussions of whether or not we're going to be racing this year, it made me realize that. There's nothing wrong with going into coaching if you already are an athlete, but it's a totally different role, and you really have to be aware of your own motivations. Um, but
1: we didn't even discuss that, right? So, like, yeah. what I hear you saying is like to answer my question about the soft skills, like to start with a macro level analysis mm. of like I, I I think that all things ever should always start with that, <laughs> like like why are you doing this, <laughs> you know. Why are we here? What is coaching? What are we hoping to achieve? And like, go. Um, I think that's a great, I think that's a really, really great starting point um, for, like for anything, right? Like if we're, if we're so like on the feisty agency side, when we help companies build their online businesses, like that's literally where we start. What? why are you, like, what's your purpose for this business? What are you trying to say? What are you trying to tell people? What are you trying to talk to them about? Like, What's important to you? Um, it's the same thing. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a really, really great starting point. And I think there are things like, I'd, this is not something that I know a lot about. Like, I loved coaching and I loved, like, using whatever natural, quote-unquote, soft skills I have in that way. Um, I probably could have improved them by reading things, but I think there is also quite a lot of, like, good literature about, coaching and about the softer skills and about like what motivates people, how to how to help different personality types be motivated. Like there's loads to draw from. It's just not my area of expertise.
0: Yeah, I I guess I mean being a coach is like being an athlete. A lot of these things are about time. It's about, you know, making mistakes and learning from them and having openness and humility you know, the openness to new information, humility to realize that the athlete comes first. Um, Obviously that's different from being an an athlete, but uh, just even starting from that level of if, I think it would have been really good for coaches to talk through, you know, these expert coaches to talk through mistakes they've made and how they've learned from them and became a better coach because of these mistakes. So being a good coach isn't about being perfect because nobody's perfect. It's realizing what you could have done better and not putting your own ego first. And in, in that recognition,
1: yeah, yeah, well said. Hmm. I don't know,
0: but <laughs> I I have lots of thoughts. I have lots of thoughts about it. Um, USAT, if you want to talk to me about how to improve the course, first of all, I would have loved a little bit my more diversity and the fact that. Okay, so if our goal in triathlon is to have people with a long-term love and passion for the sport and a, a healthy approach, like we didn't even talk about that. Wow. You know, I want I wanted us to have a segment where it's how do we p- invite people into our sport and retain them? And what does that look like? Right. And what are the what are the reasons that People might not be coming into the sport. And as a coach, what is your responsibility to help, you know, make them feel more comfortable? I like I think that's massive. And we didn't we don't talk about that at all.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, OK, Off sidebar. Remind me of this after the show, because um, I had a call about um, diversity inclusion with um, someone who does who's in charge of coaching education. At USAT, so (laughs) we need to talk. But I wanted to say it out loud, or I'll forget. (laughs) So that's now baked into our recording. Um, Okay, we also had a voicemail. We had a fabulous voicemail from one of our usual voicemailers. Um, So thank you, uh, Howard. Let's listen.
2: Hey, Sarah and Sarah, it's the Ninja voicemailer. Um, I'll try and keep this, you know, to my normal Ninja quick in and out. But uh, this is a longer question. Um, my question is, when I'm when I'm out exercising, um, I don't care, you know, everybody gets a wave. I don't care if you're on a $10,000 tri-bike or a big wheel or if you're running six-minute miles or walking with a walker. If you're out there getting it done, you get a wave. Um, I used to give words of encouragement. I used to say, you know, keep it going, way to go. Um, and I still do that every once in a while with men, but I've stopped doing that with women. Um, my rule used to be that if I wouldn't say it to my daughter, I wouldn't say it to somebody else. Um, But a couple of years ago, I just stopped saying anything um, just because it could be misinterpreted and I didn't want to do the wrong thing. Um, And I'm wondering if if that's right. And I'm wondering how that applies to when I go back to racing. Um, You know, is it going to be okay to say, keep it going, you know, to to those of us at the back of the pack? Um, Is it appropriate, you know, when I'm exercising on the road and is it appropriate in a race? Um, So, you know... I know that the world isn't missing my, my words of encouragement, but uh, I, I do miss it. So I'm wondering, uh, what do you think? Thanks very much.
0: Well, Sarah, I think we have a very thoughtful ninja on our hands.
1: We
2: do.
0: And yes, I we
1: do. I just, I heart that.
0: I heart that, Howard. Much appreciated.
1: Yeah, very grateful for that question. It's a good question. And, and as he was asking the question, I've been asked this before from, like, uh, well-meaning people wondering how to address or encourage women, like on the race course or even in day-to-day life. Um, what what say you? What's your suggestion? I just know
0: personally, when in doubt, a thumbs up or a wave, you know, a thumbs up, like nobody can misinterpret that. If you're that, if you're really nervous, um, shy away from, you know, appearance. Like I don't think, t- you know, mentioning... Any athlete's appearance, uh, mentioning effort is always good. So, uh, obviously if you're talking like, I honestly, I love it if I'm out on the rail trail and somebody comes along and they're like, ah, you're putting in a good effort or looking strong. Um, I have no problem with that, you know? Cause that's not, that's not gendered speech.
1: Right. That's true. Yeah, I, I was I, with you. I was thinking of comments like sometimes that could be even interpreted as appearance based, even if you don't mean it that way, like looking good or something like that. Yeah. Um, that let just stay away from that. Or um, the other thing I thought of was like just to, to stay away from something that could be interpreted as condescending. Like keep it up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like I love it when I'm when I'm on the trail. And if like, let's say I'm I'm having a good moment. And I'm feeling fleet-footed, and I'm moving along, <laughs> right? And someone's like, "Whoa, you're amazing!" Like, they're, you know, that's that's great. This is these are good comments because I'm like, "Yeah, I'm feeling good. I'm running fast. That's good." Um, but if I'm, someone's like. If I'm feeling terrible and I'm slogging it out and someone's like, keep going, you can do it or whatever. Almost there. Yeah. (laughs) Not my favorite. Like you just told me that I look terrible. That's what you just, that was a subtext of that situation. Don't give (laughs) up.
0: (laughs) Yeah, don't. (laughs) because it's what one person would interpret as empowering another person might see as you know offensive or condescending so it true i do respect that you know he's thinking about it um like i like i said thumbs up always
1: yeah it's all in the try or I,
0: you can't interpret that a different way can you i don't know
1: not that i know of i think okay. thumbs up is universally thumbs up but yeah. if somebody knows different please tell us um we're, we're all about language and understanding.
0: Well, now, that the, now that the okay symbol has been co-opted by white supremacists, I don't know what anything means yeah. anymore. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's like a, like, so, speaking
1: is like a landmine now. Like, every time you talk, it's like... And it's a well, landmine that I want. Like, I want yeah. to know if I offended someone with my speech, for sure, but it's definitely a, a lot more awareness.
0: Yeah. I... I think during, but also context is key. So going back to his question, during a race, I, I do think that it feels different than if you are, you know, in a park, in a secluded space, and somebody comes up on you, then you are an edge and might interpret encouragement in a different way than if you're on the race course with thousands of people. Yeah. So I would say... Be, be mindful of where you are. Yeah, context. Um,
1: yeah. Yeah, context. Oh, I have a great story. This is my segue Ooh. story is context. So when, when Rosie was little, um, she used to come, because I was still racing when she was really young, and she would come to races, and she would, like, as she was able to speak, you know, when she was one, two, three, she'd start to cheer people on, right? Um, and then at some, at one point, I realized... She wasn't, she wasn't able to distinguish the difference between a race and like, say a commuter going past our house <laughs> because she went through a little phase when she was around two or three. So like super little, you got to picture this, where we'd be like, say, getting out of the van, going into the house and she'd see a commuter coming by and she'd go to the end edge of the road and clap and be like, go biker. <laughs> like- <laughs>
0: it was the oh, best really cute. yeah 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 but that probably made some of those bikers days
1: i hope so i mean i thought she was adorable so
0: <laughs> anyway it would make my
1: day yeah after the break we're gonna talk about things we are digging right now And our regular listeners will know that If We Were Riding and All Things Feisty is proudly partnered with Orca Sportswear.
0: For 15% off all items on
1: orca.com, please use the code LIVEFEISTY15. And that includes the wetsuits. So good deals all around. We grossly, as in in a big way... And truly want to thank our sponsor, Noon Hydration, for supporting If We Were Riding. If you love us, or even kind of like us, or maybe just like our content, you can make sure we grow through our Patreon campaign at patreon.com forward slash livefeisty. And also make sure you talk to us on Instagram at if we were riding. We love talking to people on Instagram, especially on the stories. If you want to send us a voicemail, record a voice memo on your phone send it to sarah at livefeisty.com that's sarah with no h me at livefeisty.com and remember the i comes after the e if you're feisty we also love reviews on itunes and written messages from you joining the conversation if we were writing is a live feisty media production hosted by sarah true and me sarah gross our editor and producer is Taylor Mahan-Burdall. My time,
2: my time. None of you people can tell me to stop. This time, like the last time. You better get ready to race in the top. to do this. Show you what the truth is. I step on the field. It's time to get real. I'm feeling so ruthless. My time,
1: my time. Sarah, this was a great idea for a new segment. You know I love new segments. Um, In particular, when we follow up on them, but also when we don't. <laughs> you We may or may not have this segment ever again, but... Um, okay, things we're digging. Clearly, you have some things that you're digging right now that you wanted to share.
0: Well, I just figure, you know, everybody loves learning new things. And we're kind of, we're, we're friends with our podcast listeners. So I was reading a book that I thought other people might enjoy. It's called uh, Big Friendship, How We Keep Each Other Close. So this is a book that was sent to me from from my best friend, Out of the Blue. And uh, it's from, if you I've never listened to the podcast. It's from the um from the the call your girlfriend podcast. Oh,
1: I thought as soon as you said it, I was like, that sounds familiar. I think that's a call your girlfriend thing. Yes.
0: Yeah. Amazing. So I I've never listened to them, but basically the book is examining uh, their very close friendship and you know talking about uh. What is it? The the shine theory, yeah. Of you know, female friendship and allyship, where you know, thinking in terms of uh, collaboration instead of competition. You know, thinking of how to be a good ally, uh, and you know, especially in in regards to interracial friendships. Uh, you know, just talking about the importance of female friendship, and I think it's a it's the kind of book that I wouldn't. Necessarily read, but I'm really grateful that I've read it. Um, you know, talking about maintaining friendship through this digital age and how we can do a better job of it. Um, but yeah, it, it was something that we, we, when we talk about relationships, I think we too often think about the importance of, of you know, being a, a parent child or with your spouse or your partner. And we don't talk about how to cultivate better friendships. But we're social animals, and we need friendships. So that's my little That – I'm digging that book right that's now. That's
1: cool. You know, okay, Call Your Girlfriend, that podcast, actually inspired me with the tone and feel of this podcast when Kelly and I first made it because there's a lot of – especially in triathlon, there's a lot of, as you know, like interview-based podcasts. Um, and creating a narrative podcast, which I would love to do sometimes, you know, that tells stories and has sound effects. and I mean, but that takes a whole production team that's a – That's a a half a world away for us. Um, But this kind of casual conversation that's still kind of informative type podcast. um, Definitely I was inspired by Call Your Girlfriend. Um, And they also I felt like a little bit of permission to just talk the way I talk, if that makes sense. So like on their podcast, they don't um, they don't come off like professional broadcasters. Um, They definitely talk casually like they would to each other. Um, and that, that as it was part of, and Kelly and I had used to have conversations about that as, as women, like not apologizing for how we speak. And I say, I tend to say like a lot as listeners will know. Um, and sometimes I feel a little self-conscious about that, but just trying to kind of let go and say, okay, this is, this is how I speak, you know? And I also like, I, I'm aware, like I write quite differently than I speak as well. So sometimes I feel that gap, like I'd rather be more concise in the way that I speak the way that I the way that I can be when I write um but that's just not you know that's not where I'm at and and I it made me more comfortable hearing them talk to each other and also um become so wildly popular um obviously it was resonating with a lot of people that podcast so that's cool that you read that book I haven't read it so maybe I'll put it on my list yeah
0: Maybe I should send it to you. <laughs> you should. This seems It seems very relevant for, for us. It know? does, yeah.
1: I agree. I agree. <laughs> in, in multiple layers. Um, cool. I, I was thinking, because before the show, um, I was having trouble with things we're digging because I knew you were going to come out with some gem of a book or, or something. Um, but what I've been doing lately uh, is getting up in the morning and creating space in my brain to like, I don't know what you want to call it, maybe meditation, even though it's, it's not really meditation, but just to spend like 20 minutes dreaming about something. Right. So I now, instead of getting up, opening my computer and starting to answer emails at 6:30 in the morning, I will like, I'll spend some time, um, in like visioning, I guess, visioning, that would be the right word, visioning, some aspect of my life so maybe it's to do with the business or maybe it's to do with a particular part of the business or maybe it's to do with um, my home or my relationship with my daughter or whatever that thing is I just pick something and then I go what do I want that to look like because I do really believe like if you don't if you can't see something like you're not going to get there or you don't like if you don't spend time doing that and I just was aware I was never spending time doing that so that's the thing I've been digging like so I haven't really been like taking in any content whether that's written or i don't have any netflix shows to recommend but um that's kind of what i've been doing
0: no i i love that because we there's a different degree of intentionality from you know your standard meditation um but it's just kind of opening yourselves up to possibility yeah and I that, that's something that's
1: yeah. really nice about that yeah that's that's actually true like it's like because i thought about doing meditation more traditionally like i studied. Like when I studied religion, I studied Buddhism. We used to do like actual meditation practices. Um, and I thought, that's not what I want to do. What I really want to do is just like dream about the things that the way that I want the future to look and and, and why. So,
0: Man, you're a dreamer. <laughs> I like it. But it's grounded in reality.
1: It is. Yes. Yes, or you can, oh. or even if it's not, it's okay. There's, there's, you've got to create space for something that seems impossible, right?
0: I, I like that. Well, keep on keep on envisioning, you know, what you're going to do next on Instagram Reels. Oh, <laughs> full circle. <laughs> <laughs> Mic
2: drop.
1: <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh. That was, like, oh. so
0: perfect. <laughs> I know. Let's just end the episode now. Yeah yeah so thanks for listening to another week of our podcast and uh, you know stay dreaming friends
2: we know what it takes to be reaching the top